68 sticky date pudding. <laughs> Bienvenue au podcast de football de nuit. Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 68. Podcast, of course, named after the fact that in Australia, you have to stay up all bloody night to watch the European football. And there was a European Champions League final over the weekend that we've got to talk about. We've got our own Premier League awards to give out. There was a playoff final. Not sure we'll talk about it, but Forrest are up. Good on them. Um, bunch of other stuff. Whatever. Should we jump straight into it, Tommy? On the other end of the line, how you doing? Hi, I'm good. I'm reflective, Sam. I'm thinking back over the course of the season. Was it good? Was it bad? Did we watch enough football to even evaluate it properly? Probably, you know, the third option. I, I can confidently say I've watched enough football this year to last me a few months at least. <laughs> Please. Please. We've, uh, we've earned an off-season and an off-season we shall have. Um, yeah, where are we going? Ibiza? Wherever you want to go. Where's, where's Grealish going? Uh, I think he's more of a Mallorca man. We'll have to find out. Okay. How about we just stay in Adelaide and, uh, I don't know, rest up. During its best season. It's winter season. Should we talk about football, please? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't want to talk about how notoriously busy Adelaide is in winter? No, I do not. <laughs> Liverpool, Madrid. Yeah. Liverpool, Madrid, Champions League final, Paris, Stade de France. Uh, what you got? What do you got for me here? Uh, just congratulations to Real Madrid winning the UEFA Champions League. You know, only one year after they tried to abolish the whole competition. Congratulations! Well done, everyone involved. I got nothing to add to that. <laughs> There's just a bit of bait. Just a little bit of bait. No, yeah. I just my main point on this is remarkable to think like this is the same um, Madrid side who lost to Sheriff Tiraspol earlier in the campaign, and how yep. much like shit, and how much we enjoyed that. To think of how far they've come now to actually take the whole thing out. Uh, it's, it's, it's not like a fairy tale story because it's Real Madrid, but if it was anyone else, you would call it a fairy tale story. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely not going near any fairy tale stuff when it's Real Madrid, but they run to the final. Uh, they dug themselves out of some holes along the way there. Chelsea, PSG, City, they knocked out to get there. Um, when you look at the run Liverpool had, Liverpool, you you have to say, did have the easier run. Um, but Real Madrid got all the way and then they did what pretty much what we said they would do, which was get the bus in there nice and deep, make it really tough for Liverpool, which you kind of need to do against Liverpool. Otherwise, they'll score, you know, at free will. And um, they did it. They got that, that one chance on the counter. Vinny tucked it away. That's the ball game. It was a it was a really well taken goal. The assist from Valverde, which definitely was an assist, he wasn't shooting by any means. You can see his body angle. It's exactly what he wanted to do. The finish is great, keeps his body over the top of the ball, and those are the split moments in games that literally do decide cup finals. And I, you know, there's been a lot of shit given to Trent Alexander Arnold in the wake of it. I don't know what you thought of it. I. I don't think he's entirely at fault, but he does look like he's unaware of where Vinny is. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, it's not entirely his fault, but people love overanalyzing what defenders do when there's a goal scored. 
you know, every every goal that's ever scored in this game, there's generally something that could have been done somewhere to stop it mm. happening. You know, the real the real issue at the end of the day for Liverpool is it's another final this year where they've haven't been able to score a goal. Um, yes, and that's I think what would be bugging them much more than you know Trent Alexander Arnold being beaten to the ball by a you know a world class looking footballer in Vinnie Junior. Yeah, a winger in fine form. It like to me, it looks like TAA is perfectly in line with the defensive structure. He's not done anything wrong. It's just a fantastic ball. Like you just got to give credit to that. Um, on what you said, that that's three finals this season where they haven't scored yeah. a goal at all. How? Why? What? Do you have any idea? Nah, just it's just the way the cookie has crumbled. I think <laughs> I don't. I honestly don't know. Like they just <laughs> this this side is so good. They score goals so easily in the Premier League um, and they just, they seem to have dried up on the big stage. You know, they they still come out of the season with two cups, um, but yeah, they would have been hoping for more. Definitely. I, I think you could drill a little bit deeper into it and, you know, they didn't beat Chelsea, City or Spurs in the league this season. They, you know, you know conversely, obviously on their part, they've played every single match they could have possibly played in the calendar this this season because they've made the finals of everything. And throughout that, they've only lost four games. Like, yeah, it's, it's a remarkable. It's a huge achievement in and of itself. And it might reflect more on how we only really acknowledge like the guys that win the thing rather than, you know, the stories along the way, the great teams. Yeah, there's no doubt Liverpool fans have enjoyed their time this season, irrespective of not winning the quadruple. Yeah, definitely. Um, I put up on the on Twitter and stuff the other day, but uh, Ancelotti, uh, I don't know what you think, but to me, he's just the absolute king. Um, was like adding another Champions League <laughs> to his list. He's also won all of the top Ridiculous. five leagues. Uh, we talked about him a bit a few weeks ago, but now he has gone and really capped it off. And you like you forget that he was in that crazy good Milan side and won two Champions Leagues himself as a player. As a player, like, yeah. He- he, like that's the complete gamut of everything you can possibly do. And he just, you know, he's one of those guys, he comes into a team and he doesn't really have like that overriding philosophy that forces players to do what he wants to do. He's happy to go into different environments, assess what he has and congeal whatever he has into a winning formula. And, you know, when you compare him to someone like, Pep or Klopp who have their not rigid views but you know their philosophy on football yeah I think he does take the cake because he is a guy that he is more malleable than the rest and has done it time and time and time again and it's probably gonna I, I don't know I don't know we actually ever see a manager do something like this again maybe not it's not really the the go-to kind of uh style or trend is it it's everyone wants to sign a manager that has a real real distinct style that everyone knows that they're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and so someone like Ancelotti isn't, you know, it's not really like that, um, like you said. But just, yeah, adding adding more to his trophy cabinet. I was just reading through his honours the other day, and it really is incredible. To me, he's probably, probably the GOAT manager. Um, people would argue that Pep would obviously be in the mix and there's other people that would make the case for someone like uh, a Mourinho, but mm. uh, like you said, Ancelotti's versatility 
Uh, there was lots of comments coming out from players like uh, Modric and Tony Cruz in the last few months about um, Ancelotti's willingness to ask those guys and like ask the leaders on the field what they think or, you know, get their their perspective or their point of view on what subs should be made or or what should happen on the pitch, you know. And that, I think, for a professional manager to be able to do that in this is, a, a you know, a very um, ego, ego-driven sport at the top end, isn't it? It is, it? yeah. Like, Hell yeah. You know, players are all about their egos and managers, uh, you know, very very stubborn and set in their ways and making, having the final say, but um, Ancelotti is pretty open to letting the guys help out and, you know, seeing, seeing different points of view. I think you're bang on. And I think that's what the gen X and above have failed to come to grips with the new generation of player is that they want to be more involved with, you know, the backroom stuff. And I, I actually don't see that as a bad thing. I think if you have a manager and a playing cohort, you know, a wider squad that are all on the same page and all working together to strive towards the same thing that you want to achieve. That can only be a good thing. Um, And you're seeing it with the new Mbappe deal with PSG as well. He's got some kind of caveats in his contract to say that he can have some kind of say over signings and backroom additions and stuff like that. And I think you're going to see that more and more uh, in the future of football. Yep, definitely agree. Um, I don't know if you've got anything else to mention about the game. I guess uh, oh, we, just well, we haven't really the match. About, we haven't really talked about the game itself no. too much, aside from the goal. But um, really, just dominance from Liverpool and Thibaut Courtois has just had the game of his life. Amazing! You know, people have been calling it the best goalkeeping performance in a final of a Champions League in this era, and you know, I can't think back to too many others. Jerzy uh, Dudek, maybe, but. Uh, other than that, Coach Weir has had an absolute blinder here and he is predominantly the reason that Real Madrid have won the game, for sure. Yeah, he is. There was one, uh, I think one of the saves from Salah where I'm not sure Salah's scoring from that angle because he's cutting it back across, but the ball, I think Courtois saves it and it goes up and over toward the back post. And there's defenders standing there watching, and Courtois is the one that turns and runs, just absolute desperation to get across the width of the goal, get there and make the block. Um, that he's won that yeah. game off his own gloves. Yeah, blocks it with his leg in that occasion, and it was all it was every part of the body. Uh, my favorite save of his was the the Mane one in the first half, where he just gets it on his fingertips, hits the post, it ricochets back off of him as well, and kind of just runs along the goal line until he retrieves it. The, with so many moments like that in this game. And maybe, you know, a little bit of vindication for the 2014 final against Real Madrid playing for Atleti, where he kind of let that grubber Ramos goal in in the 93rd minute to force it extra time. So it's, it's good. It's good to see. He's a great goalkeeper. This is only his first Champions League uh, victory, I think. And so it's, you know, just a great way to cap that, that moment. Yep, absolutely. Um... What else you got? Do we want to talk about the 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 disaster of a pregame that a lot of people seem to have had? Yes, there is a little bit of drama trying to get into the stadium, wasn't there? And you know, in true night shift fashion, that pushed kickoff back to five AM Adelaide time, which is just <laughs> outrageous. I was long gone before then. Don't get me wrong, but for the, the people that I know that tried to stay up, like Jesus, kudos to you guys. That's insanity. <laughs> but you know. 
they pushed it back for good reason because there was trouble in the trouble in the um not in the stadium outside the stadium on the way to the stadium lack of organization perhaps um a good friend of ours joe was caught up in this he was attending the champions league final uh stuck in a line for two hours with a ticket as they slammed the turnstiles shut trying to keep out bum rushes and cheapskates it led to a really dangerous crushing situation where there was just a little bit of panic and a little bit of tension running through the crowd thinking they weren't going to get in before kickoff and you know i've heard from a few people now they like genuinely feared for their lives in that situation because there's thousands of people all a little bit manic and who you know who knows what can happen in that scenario definitely um and it sounds like from what i've read and what i've heard from people it seems like the the french french police were pretty quick to get on the on the gas Oh yes! Start spraying the kids. (laughs) The French love the gas, don't they? Get your mace out for the kids. Why not? (laughs) Uh, Mothers, daughters, sons, everyone gets some mace. Um, You're supposed to cry on your first Champions League trip. That's what I've read. Yeah. Uh, So that's that's definitely no good. Uh, I think there's definitely still something to be said about the amount of people who attend games that don't have tickets. Mm-hmm. We saw this was a big issue at Wembley for the, was it the final with the English fans? Yes. Um, yeah. The Euro final. Yeah. Yeah. Rushing, rushing the gates and stuff. Uh, it's just like, it's complete idiocy. Where if you say everyone that has the same idea as you does get in, where are you all going to go? And we've seen it before. We've seen disasters happen. So I don't know why anyone would be wanting to attend a ground when they don't have a ticket. You know, I, I get people might go and mill around to see if someone's selling one or see if they can get one. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'd want to be clearing off so I could get somewhere to watch it. So, yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. I mean, the, the French police have now said there were up to thirty to 40,000 counterfeit tickets used before this situation. And so it's exactly what you're saying. It's people arriving at the ground trying to mug their way in. And that's, that's what leads to the danger. Yeah. Hey, while we're on the topic of trouble in France. I know. I know. know If if anyone saw the video of the St. Etienne players and fans, the Ligue Ligue 1 has a a similar thing to Germany where if you're not automatically relegated, you're in like the relegation playoff, you'll play against like third from League 2 or something um, for a spot to stay, stay up. And uh, St. Etienne, a very proud club, went down and their fans were not happy about it. Yeah, they, they definitely acted proud in defeat, didn't they? Uh, I mean, what would it take for you to attack the Adelaide United players? Nothing. Nothing would make me attack <laughs> my own players because I don't want to attack anybody because I'm a attack normal, it. sane human being. Somewhat. Yeah, in, in this respect, definitely. I'll vouch for you in that. You don't have any DVOs out against you. The, but this, like, and the greatest irony was like the French interior minister, like in the wake of the uh, Real Madrid-Liverpool debacle, he come out and said, manifestly, this kind of incident only seems to happen with certain English clubs. And then the very next day, French supporters are storming the field of their own team's ground firing flares into the tunnel. Like a few players were walking through the tunnel. You can see vision of it. They're carried, they're yeah. injured. They're definitely, they've got their head in their hands. All sorts is going on. 
it's maniacal. What what have we chaos. seen in the last few weeks? And uh, not only that, but they're also like launching these flares and they're going up into the grandstand where other supporters of your own club are sitting. Like just complete stupid behavior. Um, this is this we've spoken about it quite a few times this season but this has been a serious issue in french football for the last couple of seasons yeah and uh, look i don't see how they're going to address it outside of no fans in the ground or just closed door games yeah yeah like i said last week they're talking about fences but that's just that's a horrible look that's a real regression to the past and we I get the last two years has been crazy for everyone and it takes a psychological toll. And then you get into these high emotion, massive group society situations, but like, fuck me, man, this is not good. This is not good at all. No, it's a trend and it's a bad trend uh, that's gone on a lot. We've seen just countless events. Happens in, happens in England. This like, season. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just the, the pitch invasion starting in England with the, where people are attacking players, like don't ruin it for everyone. Come on, like you just—that's it. And that goes back to the Liverpool fans with the counterfeit tickets. Just stop ruining it for everybody. Yeah, but like that's the thing with stuff like this, as always, is the the sort of people who think like we are that would be listening to this aren't the sort that would do those things. Yeah, you're and right. you know when we when we listen to you know we we listen to quite a few football pods like the Guardian Pod and a few others. Uh, with you know global following and they'll all say pretty similar things but then the issue is that those people the people that do these things aren't listening or they don't care um so there's just no way to really stop it aside from trying to single out people and ban them or you know stopping clubs from playing in front of fans even then i'm not sure those sort of people would care or have the presence of mind to even think of that yeah, exactly. All it does is it rolls in that surveillance society stuff. And, you know, the French um, sports minister came out and said Real Madrid did a good job because they had approved chartered buses for every single fan that went to the ground. Yeah. And you just, you think if we have to get to that situation. It shouldn't have to be that. Though. No. Yeah, yeah, it shouldn't have to be. But, you know, if that's the way forward, I, I feel like that's where we're going to end up. Yeah. All right. That'll do for that. Should we do some Premier League awards? Yeah, Night Shift Football, End of Season Awards. Night Shift Football, End of Season Awards. Um, so what we've got, we've got a list here that you've kindly put together of uh, best goal, manager, new player, young player, and the best player of the season. Uh, which way, where should we start with this? I'll let you go let's first. Go, let's go goal upwards, I reckon. Goal upwards? We'll start with the yeah. best goal of the season. All right, what have you got? So I, look, obviously there's a couple because... I like the long, the long range banger and I also like the team goal. And so I've picked one of each. Yeah. Long range banger for me, uh, Andros Townsend against Burnley. Brilliant. Brilliant. I, you know, I was going to put the date, but I think most people have seen it. And I think it's, did it get, it got second in goal of the season, I think. Unbelievable strike. And just, you know, one of those ones that you can only just look on and marvel for everyone else on the field in the stands. Um, and he's one of those guys that does this, but then doesn't consistently put out like good footballing performances. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I like that he's an enigma. You can do that. Uh, my team goal is Lacazette's for Arsenal uh, against Southampton. It was like this brilliant back to front move, working it from inside the defending box to goal, eight really swift passes. And it was just great because the commentator at the time was saying that Arsenal were going to play themselves into trouble because it was like Ben White and uh, Ramsdale passing the ball between themselves in the six yard box. And then bang, 
Arsenal just sprung and uh, scored like a delicious goal. It was bloody beautiful. Yeah, Arsenal have got, uh, you know, they've still got a good handful of those in them each season. They seem to pull out. Uh, everyone remembers the classic Giroud Wilshire one against Norwich. Oh, um, my days. Maybe my favourite ever goal. Yeah, it, it's up there. Um, I usually go for those as well with the team goal, but mine might catch you a bit off guard here. It's, uh, it might catch a lot of people off. But Kovacic, uh, Kovacic oh, yeah. volley against Liverpool at Stamford Bridge. Um, I did see this, yeah. You know, not miles out, um, but I think what does it for me is the difficulty of uh, he's running away. He has to run backwards to get to it, and he doesn't turn and, like, you know, he's he's always moving backwards to get to that ball um, and then just gets the timing just so perfect. And I just think that's, uh, you know, it's difficult. And it was such a big moment as well. Uh, didn't pan out how Chelsea would have liked this season. But yeah, that's that's my pick of the goals. That was a dope goal. That was definitely in my top three. Yeah, all technique. Um, it reminded me of like the Thiago goal that was scored later in the season. I think it might have been in the Champions League. Those really low driven yeah. half volley efforts. Just gorgeous. Well, this no, this one went up top corner-ish. Oh, the Kovacic one, yeah. yeah. I'm, sorry, I meant on the, the angle where the ball hits the ground. It's like a... Ah. Yeah. Beautiful strike. What's next? All right. Best manager. What have you got? What do you want me to go? I am going to go left field. Um, go on. I think, I think Klopp won it in the official awards, which I okay, yep. sure. Makes sense. Um, I'm, I'm going to give it to Graham Potter. Giving it to Graham Potter. Okay. Graham I like Potter. where you're coming from here. Brighton's first top half finish in the Premier League. Uh, yep. They got the most points ever accrued, most goals they've ever scored. It, and it's just another one of those things that have built from season on season. They're sticking out with this guy. This may be his third complete season or second complete season. He's, and he's got a style and a philosophy that he's attributing himself to and that is actually bringing this Brighton team up into the upper echelons of the Premier League. And it's solidified them and they play good football and they're a difficult team to play against no matter who you are. And I, I just really enjoyed watching them this season. I think they've got a great midfield three and Graham Potter's doing magic work with them. Yeah, brilliant. Love that. Hard to disagree. Um, I wrote down, I've got David Moyes written down here. Ooh, West Ham um, are massive, David Moyes. I think so last season, I thought they were in strife to maybe be going down. They looked horrible. It's been a pretty quick turnaround and a pretty positive turnaround. They played pretty good football for the majority of the season. Um, you know, they obviously, you know, the squad difference, the financial difference is what has played out on the table. But it, what it has done is it's left them kind of really being the best of the rest, mm. sitting in that seventh spot outside the what we would call the big six these days. Um so I think that's worth a mention. I did have Klopp written down for a bit, but um, given, you know, too obvious. the gap, I saw some City fans that are unhappy with Klopp winning it, but he closed the gap massively on last season. Last season, they were miles behind City. He closed it up, but then I thought, you know, not winning against the top four sides this season is the difference in winning that league and not. So... I could just couldn't quite give it to him. So um, I'm going to give it to Moyes. Yep. I think that's a fair call. I don't mind that. Moyes, you know, he won his favorite Everton trophy this season. 
And I'm sure that's what he's competing for every year. So <laughs> why not give it to him? They have to. That's what those clubs have to aim at. That's, yeah. you know, they, they aim higher, obviously, but, um, you know, that's where you ultimately want to finish your worst case scenario. Um, for those that will be thinking, hey, what about, what about Pep? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? You know, he's got the team. He's got the players. He's always done this. Um, not saying he doesn't deserve credit still, but, mm, yeah. you know, his his... His job is made much easier with the, you know, the checkbook. So exactly. He's still and, a brilliant manager, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, are we really next season when they sign Erling Haaland and maybe two others, we really expected to give it to him again. Come well, on. he can, he can win manager of the year if they win the league by like 40 points or something. So, okay. Only uh, then. Only then. Yeah. Invincible trophy. That's when we'll give it to him. Yeah. Uh, new player. Best new player. Uh, Cristiano so, Ronaldo. So in this, you meant uh, like new to the league. Yeah, for season. This season. Yeah. What have you got? Cristiano Ronaldo. You're serious? You got Cristiano Ronaldo? No, you don't. Yeah. Nah, nah, nah. No jokes. This isn't a joking podcast. Come on. We don't do that kind of thing. <laughs> we don't take the piss out of Man United on here. Nah, never. Never. Uh, a good return for Ronaldo. But uh, for me, I think it was Christian Eriksen. Um, oh, his arrival interesting. At, his arrival at Brentford, I reckon, kept him up. And... You know, they established themselves now in the top flight with as many wins as the Super League boys uh, since his arrival. Ericsson in seven starts, uh, they'd won five times compared yep. to just six of the 28 he has not. Um, I, yeah, I just think his influence, you can't, you can't find someone that was more influential to a club this season. Yeah, um, I think that's, that's pretty fair. I, I didn't even, uh, he skipped my mind. I didn't even think of him. Um, so the one I've got written down here might might surprise you a bit. I've got Emmanuel Dennis from Watford. Ooh, uh, okay. The Nigerian coming across. All right, here's why. He's coming from FC Cone, where he barely played, to uh, before that Club Bruges, Belgium. Brugge, sorry, it's pronounced probably Brugge. Club Brugge. Um, you know where. You know, he went okay. Um, but to come across into the Premier League and play for a Watford side that is not great um, and to score 10 goals and get six assists, I think was a pretty pretty decent effort. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to give him my best new player award. Well done, Denise. Uh, which Premier League club do you think will pick him up for next season? I could see it being a, uh, I don't know, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Leeds had a look. Um, True. I think, True. I don't know, I think there's a, a number of clubs in the bottom kind of seven or eight would be would be having a look, I think. You could see a promoted Bournemouth trying to grab him or something You could like see that. a or promoted side trying to grab him, yeah. Uh, yeah. Forest even, so yeah. Yeah. Fair. No, that's cool. That's a good, that's a decent shout. I'm glad neither of us said Luis Diaz. <laughs> It wasn't, yeah, no, nah, it was. <laughs> he he has been good, but um, not quite, not quite. All right, best young player, you kick it off. Uh yeah. See, this is the one where I really struggled to have a look around. I wasn't sure on the age on a few guys. Uh, I'm not sure I'm entirely happy with where I've landed, but I've landed on Reese James. Okay, no, that's okay. That's fine. Um, I mean, he was injured for a bit, wasn't he? He was for a little bit, yeah. Um, I think. In, I think he's part of a squad there where 
as Pilaqueta has been the main guy on the right side of defense for a long time. And uh, he's he's come in, he contributes in attack, pretty handy in attack. He seems pretty solid enough defensively, uh, gets up and down. People would, I guess people would argue that if you're having him, why not Trent Alexander-Arnold? Um, I think Alexander-Arnold is probably benefits more from the players he's alongside at the back with Van Dyke there um, but I, and Allison's leadership as well. But I think with Reese James, he's kind of making up for a, an ageing and, um, I don't know, a Chelsea defence that's not always the greatest uh, and, and lacking lacking a bit these days. So I might be clutching at straws a bit there. I struggled with this, but I'll, I'll give it to Reese James. Uh, I don't mind it. I would have Reese James over Alexander-Arnold for the national team anyway, so... I think he's been great in the games he's played in and he's had like probably more of like a singular influence and impact upon a result than TAA. So I can see why you would pick that for me personally, a little bit biased perhaps, um, but uh, Ilan Melier, it might be a weird one. It's a fair shout, but it might be a weird one because he's copped 79 goals this season. The most of any (laughs) singular goalkeeper. Yeah, but they have no defenders in front of him. Exactly. And that's why he had to make 143 saves this season. Um, but for me, he's played almost every minute. And I think for one game, he came off injured. Uh, for you know, a, a 22-year-old in this environment of trying to stay up in a relegation dogfight, he's been immense for Leeds. And at one of the only ever presence, even when Stuart Dallas went down, and you really yep. you can't attribute the Leeds staying up more than, to any player than Ilar Melier, I think. And for that reason, he's my young player of the season. Fair enough. Completely justified bias pick there as well. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. I worked no out on that one. Do you want to give us your best player of the season? I wonder if we've got the same here. I've I feel like for, we might as well. I've gone for one KDB. Oh, we no, we don't have the same. All right. Sick. Interesting. Uh, 18, Go on. Uh, 15 goals, eight assists, uh, yep. 20 completed through balls that led to goals. Unfreaking believable season. Yeah. The best player in the Premier League for mine. Yep. I think that's fair. He definitely the best player in the Premier League, I think. Um, I, he, I haven't given him the best player award, but uh, we'll get to why. But for KDB, I think just his leadership, incredible. When he does play, I, he had a little bit of a off patch, didn't he, for a little he while. Did. Did, um, yeah. And... Yeah, so I think, yeah, definitely fair. The guy creates stuff out of nothing, um, and his finishing is just just so good when it's on. Um, uh, we talked about him a lot last week, I feel, or the week before, and don't really know what else to add to it. No, that's it. That's what I think. I'll just give it a KDB. We've talked about him enough this season. Yeah, fair. All right. My, this one, might this might surprise you, but I have gone with Son Heung Min. Oh, I like it. Yes, because I, I do agree. Yeah, I, I, I think 20, 23 goals, only one less assist than KDB. Mm-hmm. I think what KDB had eight. He had eight. And Son had seven. Um, I think KDB probably ended up with more chance creation and, and more chances created that ended up in goals. But for just straight up goals and assists, uh, Son is there. No penalties in those 23 either. Um, and like I spoke about the other week, I don't rate this 
Tottenham squad that highly. I think they're absolutely carried by Kane and Son. Uh, probably Hoiberg as well. Really rate him in the midfield, but Son does a lot of the a lot of the dog work for them. Creates so much on his own out of nothing as well. Some of the goals he scores, um, and he's an absolute menace. Um, yeah, so it's it pains me to say it, but yeah, Son is my best player of the season. Yeah, Son would be second for mine as well. He like he, he's the enigma. He's the absolute X factor in that Spurs side and can turn it on out of nothing. And you saw it time and time again in the season. It's it's a good pick. Those two, I think, were the best players in the Prem this season. Yeah, I th- I think it is also worth mentioning Salah. I, yeah. Um. I you know Salah uh, is a victim of you know being in an incredible side. I know we had KDB there, but Salah, I don't know, kind of sharing the load up there a little bit more. I don't know. KDB getting a lot of his goals and assists from a more central midfield position. Salah's their out-and-out attacker, go-to guy, uh, very good player. They would, they would be the clear top three, and it's tough to separate. Yeah, he's probably a victim of his past success as well. Because we That's just true as well. Of him. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Those would be the top three for sure. I, I couldn't think of another one you would throw in there that was on that level. No, nah, it's those three, and they're miles ahead, I think, at the moment. Yeah, lovely. Good um, good season in the end. Yeah. Everything went to the last day, maintained yeah. its interest. There you go. Um, how about... It's a, it's a shame we won't be watching it next season. How about we finish off our, our last Europod for the season <laughs> before we have a bit of a break and uh, we can talk about what... Well, you can give me your little tee off here on Optus Sport, raising the price on everybody, including... Optus customers who will now have to pay for it. I just want to quote a tweet that I read in the wake of this. Uh, One Glenn Lauder, and he deserves to be named. Seriously, he starts. The absolute state of people whinging about paying to watch football. Paramount Plus is $8 a month. $2 a week. Optus Sport, now $24 a month without a phone. Stan Sport, $15, $47 a month to watch everything. You'd be paying 200 quid in the UK and can't even watch every game. Glenn, I'm sorry to say this, bud. But that's a lot of money. It is. <laughs> Who does he think we are? Sports journalists writing for whatever unnamed publication you are attached to. A $10 increase literally makes people think, I don't want to sign up to this anymore because you're paying more for the same product. They're not yep. adding anything to it. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I was pretty annoyed to read that the other day. And, I, you know, for me, it really does make me question whether I bother with Optus next year. Um, you know, I, I probably will in the end just because I'm addicted to this sport and I want to watch every bit of it that I can. But, um, it could well be one of those I cancel Optus and I cancel Stan Sport and I cancel Paramount this time of year right now and I don't turn it on again till maybe, you know, August. August, hopefully. August, September. <laughs> have a few months off of it. I just love that, like, in amongst the turmoil we face, you know, global pandemics, European war, cost of living pressures, Optus are like, fuck it, how can I get involved in this? How can I... Yeah alienate my my consumer base at the moment right in this period of time 
I think everyone who has Optus Sport as well, if you've had it from the start, from when they got the Premier League, um, you probably deserve, you still, we still probably deserve a few years free just for the absolute shitstorm it was when it started and how much it didn't work. And people were paying for a product they literally could not get. It yeah, was, a product it was, they had to ship. Jail. To the, they shipped it to SBS while you're still paying for the your World fucking Cup, World yeah. Cup plan. Unbelievable. Yeah. I'm still banned from the Facebook page from that debacle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not going to unblock mess. me now. Uh, speaking of, I need to uh, go and end my Paramount and Stan Sports subscriptions. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll better get onto that. Um, yeah, we'll do you got anything ASAP. else you want to add before we sign off? No, just thank you, Sammy. It's been a great season. Yeah, I can't believe we've done this every week. <laughs> Enjoyed. Yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna give ourselves some time off. Although there might be the odd uh, extra episode between now and next season because the Socceroos have some important stuff coming up shortly. So you might still hear from that. Always, we've still got an Australian episode to come out at point one about Adelaide United, our re-signings, the Johnny Warren medal, the A-League grand final, all that stuff. Um, yeah, enjoy. Have some time off. Uh, in the meantime, if you do want to check out some other content, there's check out the boys at Cheap Kicks on Facebook, Cheap Kicks Podcast. If you're more into your egg ball and your AFL stuff, they do a bit of chat about that. Some more local Adelaide guys doing some good things over there. So check that out. Um, other than that, keep getting us around, getting around us on the socials, the Twitter, Insta, Facebook. Enjoy. Catch ya. See you.